The focus of this week's conversation is about how organizations, whether private or governmental, can really lock in these new ways of working and make them stick in this post-COVID world, rather than resisting the temptation and urge to snap back to the old normal, as it were. I explored this with Andy Lamb, who's a very experienced organizational disruption consultant who specializes in unlocking creativity within businesses. What makes this conversation super interesting is what it is because it's what is referred to as a fractal conversation in that Andy starts off by noticing small changes that he needed to make himself on a personal level and then spots the patterns that emerge and then applies those to larger organizations in his work and in some cases to the state of Western Australia. We also dive into in this conversation how to remain open to learning, complexity, ecosystems, and much, much more. While on the surface, this might seem like a very heavy topic, Andy is a super articulate guy and he's tons and tons of fun to talk to, which makes this a very approachable conversation that it really lightly provokes quite deep thought. So enjoy, Andy. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Ben Edwards. Today I have the great pleasure of chatting with Andy Lamb. Andy. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thanks, mate. Nice to have you here. Up Thank in you. Northern suburbs. Up great northern, day. It is. Up here on your balcony. Third time it's been used in about eight years. There you go. <laughs> what a great thing. So um, I asked you the other day, what are some of the things that's been coming up for you in your work? And what are some of the things you're resonating with? And you were telling me that um, it's very much, you're doing a lot of work around stretching people's thinking about what is possible rather than in this post-COVID impacted world, um, snapping back to try and grab the old normal. Do you want to expand a bit more on that? Gee, sometimes words come out of my mouth and I don't really know what they mean at the end, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, I guess uh, probably towards well, when COVID happened, I yeah. think one of the um, uh, one of the big things for me was there was probably a bit of a personal uh, health journey I was going, I was starting to go through as yeah. well, um, and you know every other week I was on a plane, you know I was uh, most probably 80 percent of my clients were on the east coast, right. so outside of Perth. Um, and so, you know, I was always, I was flat out, you know, I'd do a day's work here with a client, run a workshop, I'd then go to the Qantas lounge and, you know, and then have, you know, a couple of wines and some cheese and get on the plane and, you know, and then the wake up the thing. next morning, do the same thing and then fly back. And, um, and I remember this one time before that, that I, I went backwards and forwards across Australia three times in a week, right? And it was just that whole, you just get into that momentum, I mm. think. You get into those habits of doing that. And it started to have an effect on, I guess, you know, my health and I couldn't run. And there was all these things, right? Um, so you couldn't run because you were physically knackered? Well, it was or that. And then I, the oh, it's a longer story. I mean, I did right, a plantar okay. fasciae and then that in my heel. Then I couldn't run and couldn't walk. And then it threw me out of alignment. And then, you know, ended up going to a physio. And then and you're on the planes, all you don't this get kind the time of stuff, right? And yeah, and it cover. was just... Anyway, it was one of those things that, that really, um, I guess, looking at it in a tr traditional sense is I went, right, I've got a problem, you know, after my plantar fascia, I got better with a knee. So I went, all right, let's go to a physio. And then they just tried to work on that. And then, you know, my other kind of knee went a little bit because, you know, my gait would have changed. Yes. Uh, and then I started getting a lower back issue and, you know, just lots of small things. Yes. And... How um, many people are listening to this right now going, fuck, that was me. Yeah, and it was, and I guess I sat down just, the more traditional approach, right, was this whole thing about, you know, go and treat the symptom of something, hmm. right? So Reduce it down to this one thing. That's it, right? And so I started doing that and it didn't really have a lot of effect. And so a friend of mine at the time said, um, have you been to see this guy who's actually across the road in, in Padbury, right, um, that does kinesiology, um, uh, physio, chiro. So it kind of brings a whole bunch of stuff all around energy flow. Hmm. Um, 
and then allowing, supposedly, right, uh, allowing your body to heal itself in whatever you want to do. So, and I caught myself having a chat with him one night, and he goes, oh, have you ever been to see him? And I'm like, mate, I don't do that shit, right? You know, yeah. I'm like, let's do this, it's science-based, you know, a lot, yeah, I work a bit with a too lot mythical of, and work. All that kind of hippie shit, right? And I was like, and I, all of a sudden I caught myself and I went, you know, if I'm if I'm working with a team or I'm delivering a keynote or something, I'm talking about creativity, I actually, one of the strong themes I bring out is if you want a different outcome, you've got to change the inputs, yep. right? Which gets us all, all into this whole change, yes. you know, and the psychology of change and change management and organizational cycle, all this kind of, which we, you know, won't worry about that now. But, um, and I went, oh, hang on a minute. I'm actually doing what I advise and take people through not to do. So I went, all right, what have I got to lose? So I went and saw him and there was a whole bunch of things happened and he was working on one piece at a time, but in kind of a greater ecosystem. Um, and I started to feel, you know, things were improving. Uh, but there were a few things that he, he kind of you know, said or identified or some model, you know, to, to help us make sense of the world. I think as humans, we love models. Like we love a, you know, a like two a by map. two matrix like or a map, map or a, yeah. you know, or some Venn diagrams, right? It helps us anchor our thoughts into that. that. Shit, we love we? it, right? Um, and he said, you know, one of the things because I guess of your lifestyle is that he said, look, from a gut perspective, um, and I'm a big believer in, you know, trust your gut and instinct and those kind of things. And there is a lot of science around yep. this coming out now. He said, look, you're not giving your gut time to recover, right, with your lifestyle and traveling. And then that's probably impacted, you know, your running and all this kind of stuff, which was mm. good for mental health. And so it was just this steady spiral. And then what we did is we kind of unwound that. Um, and one of the things he said, he said, look, um, you need to reduce your coffee, your sugar, alcohol, and you know uh, uh, processed grains. I think it was right, which is pretty standard around. A lot of people talk about this now. Mm. You know, they're the things. And so I went, oh man, that seems like a lot. <laughs> um, so what I did is I just went, all right. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to do one thing. Yeah. All right. And so every time I went for a coffee, I just said I'm just going to have a decaf coffee. Right, which for me, after living in Melbourne for 10 years, right, and being a coffee snob, uh, I thought that's probably the hardest thing. And after a couple of weeks, I just went, you know, that was easy. So it was this new habit that was done repeatedly. Hmm. Uh, and so then I did, uh, you know, I reduced things like bread. Didn't cut them out, because I think, you know, when hmm. we make something bad, yes, right, it doesn't work. You want it more. Well, you want it more, right? Um, and so that, and I did the same thing, and, uh, you know, with... Um, um, uh, with grains as well. Uh, alcohol I tried, but obviously we were coming into COVID, mm. so that had its own challenges. And But what I did start to notice is that these small changes over time started to have a bigger impact. And so what I've always done, and I did this through um, uh, COVID as well, is we, we can't really go anywhere. I can't get on a plane. Uh, I was still, you know, my legs and my lower back were still coming good. And so what I discovered was an English dude called Joe Wicks, right, on yeah. uh, uh, doing uh, hip training. Yeah, morning PE. Right, and so what I do is I just go, all right, I've just been for four hours on Zoom. So I just come up here and just for 15 minutes and I do the same thing. And I think even to start with, I picked like the most basic thing, 10 minutes. Yeah. And I finished it and I went, well, that's not like going for a run for an hour. How can that have any any good? And again, it was this whole thing around if you start small and just start implementing small changes mm. that aren't a big deal, it's easier to bring, you know, um, this impact that we go through. And so then, you know, so now I do intermittent fasting as well, uh, which, you know, I mean, from a physiological perspective, uh, I think I've dropped uh, about 10% of my body weight. I've got more energy my energy is a lot. I still drop off in the afternoon. Mm. So I've plugged in, which I've dropped off actually, but I need to get back into it again. Um, like a 10 minute meditation. Mm. I'd always try to do meditation in the morning because that's when we're told to do it. And it, it was like, this is bollocks, it doesn't work. My mind wanders. Yeah. But in the afternoon, I noticed when my energy levels were coming down, it just kind of calmed me and flattened yeah. me out again. So again, it was all these things around Lots of little small little changes, things, yeah. habits having a bigger impact. Now, and I did that all through COVID, 
Yeah. Right. Or so all through 2020, you know, because COVID was supposed to be gone and, you know, post-COVID world and all this kind of stuff. And um, but what I then did is I started looking at, well, there's there's a um, there's a link between what we do personally mm-hmm. with these type of things and what we do in our organizations that we work in as well. Yeah. Right. Because the systems and processes and structures and recognition and rewards and KPIs design businesses to work exactly how they are today. Yeah. Right. And then everyone comes along and we go, oh, well, this is my job and this is the process I go through and this is what I need to do and this is how I get rewarded. KPIs, inputs, outputs, rewards. And then you might find someone in the leadership position goes, we need to be more creative. We need to be more innovative. We need to get new ideas. We need Mm. to do this. Where does that, where's that urge or that impetus or the imperative to, oh, we need some more create some of that creative shit going on. Where does that normally come from in your experience? So I, I used to say, so not the creativity thing, because I think the creativity moniker, right, is underpins a lot of the stuff that we want to do, right? Yeah. So um, whenever I ask people and say, you know, who thinks they're creative in a room, right, very few people will put their hand up. Okay, mm. unless you're in a digital design agency or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and everyone's right? whacking it. And everyone's like, yeah, of course we are, yeah. right? Because that's what we get paid for. Um, but I think what I'm creative in, and I've worked this out over the years, and by no means my journey isn't finished, right? So I'm 50 yeah. this year. Um, I'm still learning shit now, yeah. right? And I think that's, that's what we need to do with our kids, but that could be another topic, right? So we need to, you know, they mm. work in an ecosystem as well. Yeah. Um, but we need to be... You know, however we, you know, build kids and resilience and all this kind of stuff, we need to instill that lifelong learning component because yes. that is the thing that's changing. Yes. Gone are the days where we have a, you know, a job for life. You go to you uni, learn you this, go through the process. Yeah. You learn this out, trade. You, that, you get you really good it, at it. You become an apprentice, then you're all right, and then you become the master. That's it. Thingy. Right. Um, where were we before that? So this is what happens, right? Um so before the kids, oh, so in companies, right? Companies, yeah. But what happens is Straight I think... Straight out of your small thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens is um, people are used to... So leaders in organisations are used to working in a certain way because this, the skills that got them to that position, right, are, um, you know, is what is recognised. Yes. So usually if you're a CEO or a senior leader, right, there's very few people that are true leaders, right? That will be brave enough to take the organization on a journey, yeah. which may be away from the past. Yeah. Most of what I see are people that are very good at managing and delegating, yeah. right? And looking after stakeholders. There's a big difference between leadership and management. Right? Um, but someone generally will go, we need, you know, uh, we need new ideas. We need to solve problems in a different way or, you so know. So is that like... Um, Almost like an implicit feeling that what we're doing has solved yesterday's problem, but now we're in today. And it and we're not quite completely off the course, but we're not we can feel that the the outside world that we're trying to meet has moved a little bit and now there's that little bit of tension and then the gut response is we need to do something different. This must be equals creative. Therefore, we need to yeah. harness more creativity. It's a, I've got this. I've got this slide that I use um, uh, in some of my workshops and talks, mm. um, and it's the oh shit slide, right? And it's got a it's got a um, uh, a rock climber that's hanging, you know, off a rock, right? And I think as human beings, when we're faced with adversity, we are absolutely brilliant at tackling the challenge head on. Yeah, because it's kind of like we we have to remove this. Well, what happens if I fail, mm. right? Which is what we don't breed in organisations because we're paid to come up with the right answer. Yes, which is why people sit there and procrastinate, you know, yeah, for it has nine to be right. months because it has to be right because yeah. no one get paid for coming up with the wrong answer. No, right. So again, that's right. that. Yeah, that's that whole thing. So I think you know. So when COVID hit. We had to do what we had to do. Now, ironically, the thing that I think was fantastic was, you know, for someone that's worked remotely or in a hybrid um, uh, nature for probably 15 years on and off, Mm. um, is for me, it was normal. And I just went, cool, well, I'm set up to run, right? Mm. 
a lot of people that go and say, can I work from home in an organization, you know, in a traditional, you know, that has an office and yeah. everyone's got a cube or, you know, yeah. or they go, oh, now we've got hot desking or all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Is they go, no, look, um, yeah, don't want that because I want you in the office because, you yeah. know, you collaborate better when you're in the office. Yeah. And I, equals, I can keep my eye I can up. keep an eye on you, right? So it's management by, you know, seeing what's going yeah. on. Presenteeism. That's it, right? And we already know people are only productive probably 60% of the day, mm-hmm. okay? So um, it's a trust issue that people would say, I didn't go through the system like that, so I'm not going to do it because whether they realize it or not, those senior people in the organization go, I haven't got the trust in my staff to allow them to do this because when normally I think of working from home, they're not working, right? They're running around, they're down the beach, you know, they're doing all this stuff. So COVID hits and we have to work like that. Yeah. Now, when you look at, you know, uh, organizations and I know, you know, tourism and travel and those things have been hit really hard, right? Because we can't move around. Yeah. But when you look at some of the other businesses, and you look at what that level of trust in their people has done. Organizations are now working in different ways. They've got a decentralized pool. People know what they want to do. It's more about outcomes rather than ticking boxes. It's about taking people on the journey for them. It's about this engagement, you know, with between staff members as well. Yeah. We've got a problem, let's solve it together. Yeah. Whereas as you would know, right, you've got a bit of gray hair, is normally we build silos in organizations. We certainly do. Right. And so I think, you know, one of the biggest things I think will be a massive disappointment for the world is if we just snap back and mm. go, I want everybody in the office because we're paying, you know, X yeah. amount of rent so for these space. You. So I need to see you again. Yeah. Because it's, it's almost, even as you're explaining it there, and, you know, it, 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 it's almost like a, a gut response that I have that comes up, which is before, you know, I need to see you. You need to be present, um, you know, which is very um, parent-child without, yeah. you know, diving in transactional yep. analysis, but it's very parent-child. As soon as you're saying, right, you need to be work at home and I'm just going to trust you that you're going to do the job that I'm paying for you. Now we're into an adult-adult relationship. That's it. Well, you, hopefully, yeah. You hope that, yeah, but it, it, it's approaching more it of is. an adult-adult. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I had a, I had a manager back in England um, in a consultancy I was working at and he, he basically said, look, as long as you get that report done by Friday lunchtime, I don't mind whether you do it all Tuesday yeah. and take the rest of the week off or whatever. He says, I pay you to get jobs done. Now, yep. if that means it's a busy week one week and then you're chilling out the next week, that's yeah. fine. But as long as the work is done and if you need some help, you put your hand up yep. and you manage the risks and communicate the risks and deliver the out- outcome, outputs and the outcome to the quality specified, yeah. good. Do it how you want. Yeah, and I think... It's probably something that's... I was that's, like, oh, I feel like a grown-up now. Yeah, it is. And I think it's also, um, you know, because I've worked like this with myself when I've started businesses, you know, now in, in more of the, uh, I guess, that, you know, the facilitator, mm. you know, speaker, kind of coach market, it's the same, It's you know, I've bred this, that this is how I work, right? Now, there isn't, you know, all the challenges don't go away because I'll still go out to people um, and you'll go out and they'll call you because they go, I want my people to think differently or I want us to take more risk or I, you know, I want to come up with a new innovative product or a side business or, mm. you know, I want to digitally transform our organization, which is hot at the moment, right? Yes. Um, and I think that the challenge is that um, I'm still having to, f- to kind of engage in that traditional approach. Right. And so one of the big flags for me is people will say, oh, what's your hourly rate? And I used to go, oh, okay, and I'd give them an hourly rate. Um, but what that does is straight away, it sucks you straight back into that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so what I do now is, right, is I come around and say, well, what are, what are the challenges that you've got? Why do you want to do it? What's important to you? So I get much more into the, the empathy side of things. Yeah. What, where are they trying to get to? Um, and then I bring these things together like a toolkit, mm. and then there's a price associated with that. Now the price isn't just an hourly rate yeah. because you know, for thirty something years, I've been kind of pushing and challenging and learning you know these things along the way, mm. 
Um, there's a whole bunch of experience that comes with that. There's a whole bunch of story that comes with that. There's a whole bunch of, I guess, like, energy and drive. And that's not an hourly rate. Yeah, it's like the the story, the metaphor about the guy that turns up and, and nobody knows how to sort the plant out. And he turns up and just hits one thing and turns one screw and then yeah. charges them two grand. And they're like, can you give us a breakdown? And it's yeah. like, you know, five bucks for the hitting and the turning. And 1,995 for the experience that told me exactly where to yeah. go to tap and... And it's it's interesting, right? Because normally, so if you would have people internally trying to solve that problem, mm. they all come at it with a whole bunch of, you know, preconceived ideas and what's been done previously. And, mm. you know, and I'll, I'll work with some of my clients and I'll say, when was the last time, you know, you went and spoke to your customer directly, not in a sales capacity? And they go, ah... Oh, we did that just the other, you know, just a year ago or something. You know, we had a round table or we had this. When you drill into it, it's like five or six years ago. Yeah. And it's the same with solving problems is people will go, we tried that, it didn't work. And because you get very, your staff get very, very good at the process side of things. Correct. The efficiency. Mm. Right. And so, you know, there's, there's ways to grow businesses, you, new markets, new solutions to problems, all that kind of stuff, or you get more efficient. And so what ends up happening is people become, you know, efficiency champions. Now, to it's solve... It's safe, isn't it? It's safe, right? And this is what I said New markets is, and new things are scary shit. Right, and especially, I mean, this, this drives into, starts driving up into the board, right? And if you look at the moment, right, if you saw all the, the stuff going on with Crown, mm. right, with money laundering and all this kind of thing, now, the board should have been across all that. But what happens is something big pops up and half the board just resign and go, oh, okay, right, and away we go. <laughs> so, and I think, you know, a lot of people, and I'm not saying it's everybody, but I think that rite of passage of I've done the hard yards, I've cleaned, the, you know, cleaned, I've, I've climbed the corporate ladder, mm. right? Now what I want to do is go out and I want a board seat. We're looking at risk and governance and all these kind of things. Now, you would have thought that would have been something that they should have been doing at Crown day in, day out, right? Mm. Um, uh, and I'm not picking on Crown. It's only because it's topical. Um but what happens is a lot of people that are on a board turn up and they get a board report and they go through and they pick one or two things out of it and they go, what's this mean? What's that mean? Are, we going, are you going to make your targets that you set, you know, uh, CEO? And then they go, all right, we're done and we'll come back in a month, right? So there's no real, again, this mm. braveness of challenging the status quo, yeah. right? Even starts, at, it's not even inside the organisation, it can be at a board level as well. Yes, and so we've got to get people thinking about, you know, not just diversity of uh, race and ethnicity and sex and all these kind of things at the board. We have to get into diversity of thought and mm. creativity and challenge and opportunity. Sense-making frameworks and all lenses these kind on of life things, and reality. Right, which is then comes back into what we were talking about before around creativity is kind of the thing that sits underneath that. And mm. when I talk about creativity... For me, it's about how do we recognize we've got standard ways of thinking and standard frameworks and standard processes, but we shift our thinking to a new paradigm to come up with a different opportunity. Hmm. And that bridge is creativity, right? And so artists do it and, you know, and that's why we think about these things being creative, the creative arts, hmm. is because they're always trying to change that. Yeah. Right? And when you do do it, it just becomes, uh, you know, your neural plasticity starts to breed that. Hmm. So you're out at the out at the, the leading edge and the boundary of the frameworks of how you make sense and understanding and meaning of the world. Yeah. Hmm. Um, does everyone have the capacity to go out there? Um, so, I mean, there's this thing, you know, people always say, and I ask them in, in stuff that I'm doing, when do you think you're at your most creative? And it's usually around the ages of four or five, before kids go into school, Yeah. right? So because we don't have, as children, we don't have a fear of failure. Mm -hmm. So we will sit there when we learn to walk, stand up, fall over, go, oh, okay, that didn't work, I'll try it again, right? Um, you know, if you pick up something hot, you don't have a fear of failure, you pick it up and you go, oh, that was hot, all yeah. right? So we're always pushing the boundaries. Mm. And then I think, again, you know, it's one of the ways that we can coexist as humans. We have to have, you know, these societal norms, right? So if you think about the education system, 
The education system from years ago was designed to prepare kids to go into, you know, industrial age organizations. Hmm. Now, we still build organizations based on that industrial revolution model. You know, seven and three quarter hours, whatever it is a day that we're supposed to work or so many shifts or, you know, Hmm. all these kind of things. We have to have a head office. Everybody comes to meet. You know, it's the plumbing that glues it together. Hmm. Um, Ironically, technology now allows us to build these organizations in a different way. Yes. Right. Which comes back to the trust issue. But I think if you start looking at the um, uh, the education system, you know, you go into school and you've got, you know, 30 kids in primary school, right, with a teacher or two teachers. So they have to put some structure in to manage that. Yes. Okay. And I know there are other schools that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Montessori and all those kind of things that don't do that. But what happens in the moment is that system prepares people when they pop out the other end, good, bad, or indifferent, mm. to fit into another ecosystem. Yes. Okay. So I think um, exposing kids to ongoing, so lifelong learning, challenging the status quo, not accepting that everything is known about what we do, mm. right? Unless it's maths, apparently, you know, because it's the pure language, right? Um, uh, I think we do have that ability. Um, but I think again, it comes back to, and I think this is a it's a it's a level of service that leaders, senior leaders, senior managers in organisations need to bring to their people of saying, we've always done it like that. Give me, you know, if the solution can't be that, what should it be? Hmm. Which gets us back into this whole thing of going, oh shit! If we've got a challenge, if hmm. that isn't the solution, what is? Where do I get this stimulus from? Hmm. And I think, you know, one of the fortunate things I've got is because I work across so many different industries, you know, from heavy research with universities and CSIRO to, you know, um, global companies to national companies down to, you know, some startups as well, is it's always that thing that we're trying to do is go, you know, we just need to take a step back and go, what is, what is it I'm trying to solve for? Yeah. Right. And what's happened in other industries that we might be able to leverage. Hmm. Right. And so when you've got that curiosity, that curiosity of a four or five year old child and you see the world like that going, well, what does this kind of mean and Mm. how does it interact? And does that ecosystem work by itself or with this or, you know, how do we pull all those things together? I think that's what breeds creativity. Hmm. And then we solve problems in different ways. You said um, technology allows for different now allows for different shapes of organizations Um, i for a long time as a business consultant had this sort of gut feel that our traditional forms of organizations which spent some time looking at it are probably a product of our movement you know the enlightenment movement to rationalization and, and and the increase of science and making things predictable and things like that. And so then we we create organizations with, like you said, with policies and procedures that deliver the same thing again and again because we live in a predictable, well, we did live in a sort of predictable <laughs> world. Um, the challenge always, you know, at, at, a, at a, like a deep gut, heart, child level was yeah, I get that, but that's not really in line with the truth of, let's take, I mean, we could talk about nature, but let's let's even go with the human journey. You know, we you talk about lifelong learning. I've been spending quite a bit of time looking at how, how we develop and mature and our ego develops over life. Mm. And and there are hierarchies, growth, not power hierarchies, growth hierarchies. You know, we can get to, you know, one of the areas that I spent a lot of time deep diving into is the transition that we go through between the ages of about 38 and 43, 44. Some people call it a midlife crisis, yep. but there's an alignment. And all of a sudden, subtly, it's paradoxical, it, it, it's subtle yet quick. Mm. All of a sudden, the things that were important to me are no longer important. The new stuff has just switched on. And and my sense of identity has crumbled. And a newer one is emerging. Yeah. That just feels more grounded in 
what really is going on. Mm. And so that, that's just one case in point. And, and so when we have these rational, and in the past it's you know, like monolithic organizations, but even you know, smaller organizations work off the same principles, that we're trying to overlay this rational organizational thing over the human journey. It was always destined to fuck up for one of a better word <laughs> because you've got this narrative of this is what this is how things go yeah but then there's this truth of this is what this is what happens you know and that's yeah. why you have the you know incredibly successful board member ceo who's who, who's overweight and 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 is married he's on his third marriage yeah. and his kids don't know who he is mm. right it's like and so back to my original sort of question is is do you see as technology is allowing different shapes of organizations to come together um an opportunity for that in that design to be almost aligned with more sort of natural progression of things and allow for as well what is emerging because things emerge yeah emerge is a word i've been using a lot recently yeah okay so it's interesting. One of, one of my themes, I think, for, for what are we, 2021? Yeah. Um, is unlock. Yeah. And I think, unlock. you know, th there are certain mm. pathway, you know, people go that whole midlife crisis thing. Yeah. Right. And especially, and I think it's more relevant. Uh, it's not specifically for guys, but I think there's a lot about, right, men. Yeah. Um, and I remember, you know, one of my, my first jobs when I was sort of 17, 18 was um, working very traditional Arthur Anderson accounting, you yeah. know, that kind of that kind of world. And, and I talked to some of the graduates because I came in from an IT perspective. I talked to some of the graduates and I go, you know, what did you do at uni? And they went, oh, I did commerce and law. I'd be like, well, why did you do that? And they went, oh, I my dad did it. So I just did it. Yeah. Because I didn't know what to do. How very underwhelming. <laughs> right. And then it's it's almost like their pathway for these people mm. was already preset because that was the that was the direction that they wanted to take, whether it was conscious or unconscious or whatever, mm. right? Um I think, you know, and that's how easy this is, mm. right? That we don't realise. So it mm. comes back to this brave component, I think, of going a, a moment in time that we stop and we think and we question what's around us mm. right and whether that's uh you know whether it's know, a, a self as a human you know uh whether that's a more meaningful life whether it's you know the ecosystems the businesses all those kind of things is um i think that stop and that think because we are all busy no yes. one ever says you know oh you know what i you know i've got four hours today to do something right because we always get into this busyness of trying to do oh. things right and again when you're busy and you're stressed you revert to type as well very addictive right so sometimes you've got to slow down mm. right and give something up to then go what can i fill that space with um and i think you know this is i i guess technology is fantastic right and you know when we talk about technology in 2021 we obviously talk about you know being hyper connected you know devices all that kind of stuff right the internet the knowledge you know top of your mm. fingertips all that kind of thing but, you know, technology's in everything we do. You know, new, new glass, right, yes. to, to hold out the sun or to get, uh, you know, glass with frames to get solar panel out of it. Mm. You know, new storage systems for heat that then we can use in agriculture. Um, you know, how we design vaccines. You know, technology is really just something that is applied to solve a problem. Mm. I think as human beings, we're very solution-focused. Mm. And we get into this mechanism of going, I can solve that, right? But we don't go and explore what the problem is enough. Yes. And that's why we end up with startup businesses and all these things where we don't explore what is the problem we're trying to solve for. And I remember seeing, I think it was, it was, either, it was either Jack Ma or Jeff Bezos said, it's actually easier to become a billionaire than you think. What you need to do for 100 days is just go and speak to people in the area that you're looking at and just keep asking them about their problems, right? And in a non-kind of leading way, don't lead the witness. 
And over 100 days, you will start to see consistent themes that come along. Yeah, patterns emerge. Right, and patterns of it. And when, when you get to that point, that's when you should start to go and solve that problem. Yeah. Whereas what we do is go, oh, I've got, you know. I spoke to three people. Spoke to three people. They happen to be my pub. friends and family. Yeah, the and pub. they all reckon it's a great idea. And they told me they'd buy it. Yeah, including my mom. <laughs> right, and we do it inside organizations as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, is we go, oh, yeah, I've got a solution for that. Well, right? there's, um, there's, a, there's a real tension there, though, because... You know, there's this, there's, there's always this restlessness, whether it's internal or external, as in, you know, you've got to come up with a solution because then you can make the money. And then, you know, because otherwise, yeah. you know, the mortgage payment's always going to turn up in the month and bread needs to be put on the table. Yep. So there's always, you know, I, I've started to myself start to sit and enjoy and be in complexity with mm. no rush. And, and while sitting in complexity, um, just feel it with no, and trying to bait my restless to fix things. Yeah. And just yep. be in. And, and just be, yeah. Be in. Yep. And see. And and that's awesome, right? Mm. And, and I can see how it can be of enormous value to be able to sit in some, sit in an area of complexity and just see it for what it is. Yeah. You know, as a, particularly as I look back across and my be okay consult- with that. Yeah, and be okay with yeah. that, you know, essentially. But also, as I look back, as I'm across my, you know, 17, 18 years of being a business consultant, it's like, fuck, if somebody had given me like three or four months to sit and do this. And there have been projects in my history mm. where I was allowed that time. Yeah. You know, one of them being mapping the entirety of the business process space for Gorgon for Chevron. Yeah. You know, that seven month project meant that all the other subsequent projects I did there, I just yeah. knew how it worked. Yeah. And. And yeah, so I think it's valuing that and, yeah. and allowing and creating space for that and, and probably almost protecting it from the board of directors who are going, well, you've just paid for all these people to, in effect, sit and chat. Yeah. And that's what they see. <laughs> yeah. How productive is yeah. that? And then it's even worse, right? Because if you're a, list- you- if you're a listed company yeah. and you've got to report every three months... yeah. Right. So, you know, most uh, super funds are the holders, you know, they hold yeah, the power yeah, yeah. in these in these companies. Right. Yeah. And so what happens is if you miss your guidance, you get slaughtered. Yes. So then if you miss your guidance and you happen to be a shareholder on a board as well, your net worth goes down. Yeah. So if you're used to a certain level of lifestyle, shall yeah. we say, all of a sudden you go, we can't actually do anything here. Our hands are tied, yes. whether they realise or not. Yeah, because they're just going for their three percent growth, or yeah. you know, because they're, they're oh, because we all bow down to the to the you know yeah, the edict of, the, of growth. Yeah, and so you know, I've I've seen this. If you start, um, so if you look at companies like say 3M, mm. right, that have consistently come up with new products right over the years. They have a, I guess, a culture and then a recognition that they're always going to try new things and push things. Yeah. Right. And push the boundary. And so that culture comes through. (coughs) Whereas if you're in a more traditional organization, so say you're in something, you know, super exciting like insurance. Yeah. Right. Um, Everything you do, you're looking at the weather and all these kind of things to go, how can we predict more around what's going on? Right. But when you look at technology, and you go, well, you know what? I, I could just go out and go, I'm at home 24 hours a day now because of a global pandemic. So I don't really need you know, content insurance because I'm mm. always here. Mm. But I'm going to go away for you know, the borders open down south. So I only need content insurance for two months. Yeah. Right? You can do that with technology because the cost of doing business is a lot smaller. Yeah. So you can build these micro insurance kind of things, right? Yeah. But if you're running a massive insurance company, you mm. go, doing the small thing is not important to us because we only do big things. Yeah. Because we've got all of these people mm. that we need to keep busy. Yeah. So how the hell can we just do this small stuff? And now, right there, you've reflected a macro level of your micro that you and had we're with your all, running and this is the this start. whole thing of where it was this, you know, this whole point of going... If you do the small things and you do them consistently, mm-hmm. right, and repeatedly, mm-hmm. um, you will lead to a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Now, as a as a uh, a leader of an organisation or those kind of things, 
your job is being brave enough to free the space up for those people to do the, we're going to go and tinker. Yeah. Right? And you don't, and my big thing is... Yeah, from the outside of looking in, it looks like we're not doing a lot. Yeah, that's it. But right? we're actually doing shit tons. Yeah. And so my thing, you know, there's this big thing. People always hang on to this, especially around tech organizations. They go, Amazon gives everybody 20% of their time to come up with new ideas, right? Yeah. Well, they don't as much anymore, right? Because they're a massive organization with tens of thousands of employees, right? Mm. So they struggle with that. You know, a lot of people in organizations have hung their hat on... Um, uh, you know, moving on from being lean and agile to what Spotify did of bringing tribes in, yeah. right, around problems. So everyone goes, we, we need to deploy the Spotify model, right? Um, in ecosystems around startups and innovation, people go, I need to be more like Israel. I need to be more like uh, Silicon Valley. They don't sit there and go, we need to be more like somebody else. What they do is they sit and think about what have they got at their disposal and how do they build an ecosystem that works for them, hmm. right? And I think that's what we don't do in yeah. Australia very well, and we don't do it in Perth very well, yes. is we don't just go, let's go and do some shit, Yeah. except most of it isn't going to work, it's yeah. experiments, but let's see where it gets us. Yeah. And we don't do that. And I think a lot of it is around, um, you know, we are very process-orientated in WA. Yeah. Mining, oil, gas. Oh, yeah. It's very process. And, and so our thinking locally let's be honest, is very process. Outsiders looking in, boys from England originally, th this is a, you know, you, you take the hood under. It, it's a very conservative town. Yeah, it is. It's very entrepreneurial. Yeah. But it's very conservative as yeah. well. Right? And I think, you know, they're the types of things that, you know, um, that we should be doing and we should free up. Uh, you know, the people that think differently and want to take on challenges and, yeah. you know, and have these um, uh, these plans to go, I don't know where we're going. I don't know, mm. you know, how we're going to get there. Mm. But you know what? There's a problem we've got at the end of it and it's coming and we need to solve it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, as human beings, we will solve it because that's what we mm. do. Right. The world has not finished because we've had a pandemic. No. Right? So we will continue to make the world how we see it needs to operate. Hmm. Right? And that's, the, I think, the thing that uh, a lot of people miss. And that whole, you know, bringing it back into the, you know, I, ironically, the best time to start either a new business or a new innovation or those kind of things is when you're young. Yeah. Because you don't have houses and school fees and all this kind of stuff which is yeah. which responsibility that, and baggage and shit yeah it constrains that thinking right yeah but you don't have the experience at that point until you start getting some gray hair and you failed a few times and some stuff hasn't worked but then you've got this baggage around it as well yeah right and i think you know senior leaders in organizations they have these commitments they have the responsibility mm. they don't really know where they're going and that that structure around how they operate and how they've been put in that position and the skills that they've been put in that position for is they try and hold on to that. Yeah. Right? Because they go, there's comfort in this. But then the, on the other side, they go, I, I don't know how to change. Yeah. Right? Or change for me is I'll hire a change manager. Yes. And I'll tell them, because that's what I'm used to doing, this mm. is what you need to do to change. Mm. And really organizations change and ecosystems change based on the people inside it coming together and the culture that they drive. Right? So I always say to people, culture is not something you hang on the wall. Yeah. Vision and values and, you know, having a design thing and going, oh, these are our corporate colours and, you know, and we've got this and we've got a layout that's the same and we all wear the badge on our shirt and all that kind of stuff. What that does is create, you know what, if we look the same and we work the same, we think the same. Correct. So what you need to do is go, how do we inject some of this? And so, you know, one of the few things I started doing a while ago is I would deliberately change my dress to confront clients based on what I was going to do. Hmm. So if I was working with an earlier stage business, I'd get more dressed up with a, with a you know, shirt on and, and stuff like that. Yeah. If I'm going to work with a larger organization, I'll go more casual and t-shirt and those kind of things. Because the moment you walk in the door, you're challenging their status quos. Yes. And you can see it whether they're comfortable enough. Because, you know, the engagement does not come from what I wear. Right? It comes from the experience and the stories and that's the you know, seeing, 
you know, problems and being able to apply that and all this kind of stuff that doesn't mm. come across in what I wear. And so one of the, just before COVID is one of the things I would start to ask people. And I think this is really important around that busyness kind of thing as well is if you want to do something differently, right? And you want to start small and you want to build a new habit, you've got to drop something. Yeah. So now I'll always have in my, you know, uh, in my proposals and in my conversations, what are you prepared to give up yeah. to do this piece of work? And I've lost work through it because people go, oh, I thought you were just going to, it was just going to happen. Mm. It's like, no, you have to change this. Mm. Right? You can't expect, oh, that's the other one I love as well is um, you'll go out and, and put together, say, a plan for 12 months for an organization, right? A bit of, uh, you know, inspiration stuff up front, a bit of skills development, a bit of problem identification, some coaching, mentoring with some staff, that kind of thing. And you go, this is, to get you on the journey, this is what you need to do. But this is a five-year journey. And they go, yeah, yeah, I get all of that. But I've only got two days for you to come in and do something. Yeah. And you go, so how long has the organization been around? Oh, yeah. 50, 60 years. How many people have you got in the organization? Oh, I don't know, 5,000, yeah. right? Um, how long have you been working in the way that you have? Oh, well, we had a redesign, you know, 10 years ago and da, 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 da. And I say, so you want me to help unpack that in two days because you have built the organization that you have designed mm. and you've got all of those systems and structures in place. This is an ongoing process that you need mm. to go through. I suppose even at a micro level, would you expect someone to work through all their childhood drama and baggage and shit in their life in an afternoon? No. No. Takes a bit it, of time. Take, it takes time. It takes time. To do so how stuff. are you going to do that on a macro organizational yeah. level? Like I, I went this morning, I, did, um, I was thinking about this because we had the chat coming up, right? So I went for a walk down to, I went for a run. So you don't have to wear a mask with, um, yep. with heavy, uh, uh, with vigorous exercise. Vigorous exercise. So I went for a run down the coast. We've Apparently just got podcasts some podcasts are exempt as well. Oh uh, yeah, well that's why you're a meter and a half away. Um, uh, you can put that in in a filter afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, release so I went down to, the, uh, down to the steps at Hillary's. And I thought, because I like to mix stuff up, mm. right? And so I just got up and I went down there and I ran down there and I went up the steps half a dozen times and then I ran back. And there was a, um, uh, um, what's it called? Uh, a personal training session going on with probably about a dozen people. Mm-hmm. And I was looking and they were going through the same thing, right? And it yep. would have gone for an hour, right? Yep. And they probably go twice a week, yep. right? And it's the same thing. They go through it twice a week. So they fit it into their, their system. Yes. But the thing is, that's only two hours over a whole week of all the time that they've got. Mm. Where you've got all these other things that go on. So you've got stress, you've got diet, you've got all this other stuff. Mm. And so for me, it was that whole thing came back again of going... We try and fit our life into one-hour blocks because our calendars tell us. Yeah. Where sometimes it's just easier and better to go, you know what, I've got 15 minutes. I need a bit of headspace. Let's just go for a quick sprint around the block. Let's put on a hit training session. Let's yeah. do something. Let's mix it up a bit. Run. Let's do a run. Let's do some stairs. Let's do all this kind of stuff. Mm. Because, you know, our bodies get, in, get used to, oh, it's Tuesday. I've got to go and do my one-hour exercise. Mm. You know, our bodies do that on a... On a physiological it's very interesting that well. you, it's super interesting you bring that up because um way back at the start of the of doing the podcast i interviewed i think it was our second podcast actually i interviewed a lady called uh, dr margaret durnham and i later interviewed her partner mark and they run a movement studio in myree mm. so i went along because i thought well I, i'm going to give this a crack and you don't actually know what you're going to do when mm. you turn up. Yes, there is a strength component, which has a bit of repetition to it, but that's 20 minutes in an hour and a half. Yeah. And you learn to use your body in different ways. And we will work on a particular project for six weeks, incremental, incremental, incremental. And you just get out of the, I'm a move tard and into the, I can just about do this. Yeah. Whether it's juggling, whether it's moving on yeah. the floor, whether it's learning how to use your spine. And just as you're starting to get a sense of comfort with it, bang, we're on. We're mm. on to a new project for six yeah. weeks. And you do that for a period of time. And then all of a sudden, those lots of little projects start to turn up into a whole new 
have their impact on my body and mm. it, and and now I can do and move and things differently and then all of a sudden I become aware of you know because I used to after playing rugby I did I, I I it was like oh well I'll go to the gym and then it's like well what should I do now I'll get into endurance sports mm. so you know triathlons and then I moved here yeah. and it's swimming to Rottnest and stuff like that all repetitive 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 yeah. repetitive repetitive stuff and then my body just had this incredible burst of freedom mm. Because I'm moving it in different ways. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking about things. And then all of a sudden, I've become acutely aware of seeing just what you saw, which is people going to the same exercise class, doing the same movements yeah. over and over again. And then you actually see it in people's body shapes. And you're like, wow, your body is a reflection of... Yeah, what you're doing. The process. Yep. The, you know, the yep. process, the, the policy of, of repeatable... Yeah predictable outcomes and i think you know it's interesting we've, we've been bred you know to bring like this back to technology so one of the things is i i always look at how the next generation and the generation after them you know because my mm. girls are you know in year 12 and year nine so i look at how they interact with technology mm. um and we have this you know immediacy of response of things now yes right because no if delay, you want something yeah. you, you're hungry jump on my phone and I can get it ordered, yeah. right? And I have this constant battle with my with my girls going, they go, can we have Uber Eats? And they go, no, we're going to the shops, right? <laughs> For one, because it's just, you know, it's 2Ks away. Yeah. I said, it also puts more money in the hands of the um, yeah. uh, of the restaurateur. Yeah. I said, but then it's the same of coming back that you'd have to do with an Uber. And every time we've had Uber Eats, there's been an issue with it. And I'm like, so why don't we just go and do that and just take, a you know, five more minutes? Yeah. But they're used to that immediacy. Yes. And, you know, and I think this is the, uh, you know, a busy world mm. actually leads to that as well. So we go into... Busyness leads to business. Right? And yeah. so we just end up in this on this hamster wheel mm. of going, shit, I've got to be busy. If I'm not being busy, right, then I'm not being productive. And I think we have to, you know, we have to try and unwind that in mm. ecosystems sometimes. You know, if you've ever been to um, busyness becomes a badge of honour, doesn't it? Oh, it's it's and it's what one have of you been things, up to recently? Oh, oh I've been, been busy. busy, right? And I, I I caught this. I caught myself doing this same thing with um, a guy called Dave Clare as well. Yeah, um, Dave's been on the podcast. Yeah, and um and I'd say to him, "How are you at the moment?" He go, "Oh, I'm cool, man. You know, I've got all this stuff." And he go, "How are you?" And I'm like, "Oh man, I'm busy." And I still and I catch myself doing it, and I go, "You know what? Actually, at the moment." There's more going on because, you know, my, my kind of work comes out of cycles, mm. come out of Christmas, New Year, a whole bunch of people get in touch. They want stuff done by the end of financial year. Then they take a break because it's, you know, financial year. Then they ramp up again. So it's kind of four-month blocks. Yes. Um, and so, I you know, now at the moment, I've got a bunch of things that I'm sort of prepping for and getting ready for and all those kind of things, which is why this chat is good. It's part of that unwind of it. Yep. But it's really easy to go, I'm really busy, hmm. right? But it's really, it's I've, I'm, I'm engaged around, I've got enough things going on with problems I want to help people solve. Yes. Right? Where there isn't an easy way of saying that. Yeah. Right? So you just go, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, I'm busy. Right? But you go, you know, you need to come back to it and go, oh, well, you know, I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it comes back to that whole thing we said before is that sometimes to do something differently, you need to free up space to allow something new to fill into mm. it. I never used to do that. Mm. And I think that was ingrained in me. You know, my, my dad was, you know, uh, yeah, come from coal mining stock, was a sparky, was in, you know, Africa working down mines, came here to go on the mines, um, you know, ended up having his own business installing security alarms, you know, would work seven days a week. Yeah. You know, they give him... So the, that's what's role models. Right? Yeah, that, that's it. it, right? They give him the, you know, all the hard jobs because he would go and do it. You know, um, and, uh, you know, and that whole point of where you get to that end is you, you know, it's not forced upon you, but you see those behaviours. Yes. And I was always in a rush, you know, when I was younger. I was like, oh, I need to double my salary and I need to do this and I need a business and this and that and everything mm -hmm. else. And I was always Busy. like trying to do stuff. And I think that led to a bunch of shit going on up here. Yeah. That eventually kind of went... Pfft. And I went, this isn't good. And that's that's right? the that's the natural human evolution journey that I was talking about. Yeah, earlier. and I and I There's think there's an inevitability that that's going to. 
Yeah, and I, you know, because you can't hold, you can't hold everything. It's like no. plate spinning mode. Yeah. Right, and then and I and I do think as well um, that I think when you get to that point, you allow people into your life because you're looking at probably the goal from a financial reward perspective or something, mm. rather than I do I actually want these people in my life. Uh, you know, I have this concept now of like a, from the olden days, mm-hmm. like a dance card. Yeah. So you know, back in when you know people used to go out and go to the halls and they'd go dancing, you'd have all the dancers listed, and you'd go around and say, who are you going to have that dance with? And there's about 10 or 12 names on it. Yeah. And so I've, you know, said you've probably got to have deep, meaningful conversations with people, right, where they are people that you want to bring into your life that, you know, if you haven't seen them for a while, it's like you've just caught up again, you know, all those kind of things. You've probably only got space for 10 of those, 10 or Mm. 12 of those, right? And, you you know, you can move people in and out and all that kind Mm. of stuff. doesn't mean that you don't have, you know, a bunch of other connections and, you know, and networks and all this kind of stuff. But it's just that deep, you know, with everything else that goes on around us, to have that mm. deeper, more meaningful conversation around that. I think you've you've got to find those people. You've got to find that tribe of people that you yeah. you know that you um, that you bring together and can have those conversations. Mm. It's very important. Yeah. Well otherwise you go looking for stuff, right? You go looking for answers in probably the wrong places. Right? You know, drugs and alcohol and all sorts of stuff, right? And you know this this point you mentioned before is you kind of get into that mid forties, fifty or whatever, and you wake mm. up one day and you go, "I've got all the material possessions around me." But who am I? But my kids won't speak to me. Yeah. You know, I might have been through two or three wives. You know, I've I've halved my you know my asset base a couple of times, yeah. and then you wake up and go, "Well, what am I going to do?" And the the classic thing is that you go, "Oh, I'll go and buy a sports car, right, yeah. to try and get that back." And I think, you know, it's. It's a reflection of just getting on that hamster wheel and going, this is what's pre-programmed. And, mm. I, you know, it's, it comes back to you've got to be brave to sit and think and explore. And, and whether that for some people is, you know, looking at nature or looking at other things mm. or whether it's more, you know, religious or whether it's spiritual or all these mm. kind of things. I think that, that moment in time where you just go, you know, I'm going to do this for myself or I'm going to do this for the team around me or I'm going to do this for, you know, the organisation around me mm. um, is important to be able to do that and make mm. that space. I think what's been great about this conversation is that we've been through Andy's personal journey and then also we can now see the the reflections and the parallels between your own individual journey us talking probably generically more about individual journeys and then up at a bigger macro organizational level. You know, it's kind of this, I think this is one of the reasons why I could always see certain things as, um, as a business consultant with a psychology degree was, because if I could see and feel this going on inside of me, then, the, then I was pretty sure that it was going to be happening at a bigger macro level Yeah. with me times... 3,000, and then that as an organization, yeah. organism in its own right, moving through time, responding to its environment. Um, yeah, and you see the rise of different different priorities at different times. You know, you, we've all seen organizations when all of, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the main manufacturing part takes the lead, but then it burns people out, or you see the rise of, like I saw in, in Chevron, the rise of the power of HR. Mm. And that's great, but then nobody got anything bloody done because <laughs> <laughs> we were all doing the HR thing. And, you know, and you'd have senior managers going, well, there are people here who are professional Chevron employees, not employees, yeah. and, and stuff like that. So, so, yeah, I think what's really fascinating is, is that the, the reflection of the individual level reflects also up at an organizational yeah. level. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was one thing that you just mentioned there is that, you know, that recognition, I guess, the self and trying to work these things out right along yeah. the way is there's um, I, one of the things I come back to when you're trying to go through this is, you know, when you when you pop out into the world, there is no manual. No. Right? No. And we're all just trying to make this shit up. Yeah. 
Right, it's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all, you know, the vast majority of us are really to, knows how, what, you know. Right, that's it. Got it figured out. We're trying to go through life and work out what it is and try not to hurt people and try not to create, mm. you know. Yes, there are some that are, are way out there and don't give a shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and are just on this massive journey yeah, to spectrum. get there. <laughs> right. Um, but I think the vast majority of us are just going, I'm just trying to get through life and enjoy my life and enjoy the people around me and do good things to people. Uh, and see where we get to. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, that should also be about the organisations that we're helping build together, mm. right? Not just from a leadership perspective mm. as well. Mm. I think, yeah. I think one of the things that's been coming up for me recently, and again, it's in here, is we are faced with a very uncertain, complex uh, and ambiguous world. Mm. And it's also uh, complex and ambiguous inside as well. Yeah, it is. It's 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 um, it's um it's funny, right? And, so, and the two have to kind of meet. They do, it, and it's it's hard, and it's perspective, yeah. right? And uh, 100%. you know, it's um. I remember one of the mo- the first memories I have of getting on a plane and traveling, and I remember looking out of the plane and going, "Everybody looks like ants." Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think that that ant analogy metaphor whatever it is right when you and this is probably why i love traveling um as well is you get in a plane and as you start rising you start to see how small everything is but how interconnected it is yes and the roads and you know all these this plumbing and stuff as well yeah and then i can only imagine if you're sitting on the moon right or on the international space station looking down at the earth is you go how is this ecosystem, you know, coexisting and everything else that's going yeah. on? Yeah. And when you actually come back down into it, you come down into a part of that ecosystem. Yeah. And then you go, shit, well, this is just life, like interacting with all these yeah. other pieces. But when you take that macro level again, you go, this whole thing just works. Yes. Right? Good, bad, or indifferent again. But the whole thing just kind of hangs together. Mm. Right? And yes, we're going to hit more problems. And yes, we're going to have issues. And yes, we've got challenges with climate and all this kind of stuff and pandemics and all these kind of things but we will solve them yeah don't know how we're gonna do it but we will solve them and the world should be different yeah but recognize solving it is most likely beyond the mental horsepower of one individual correct correct it's 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 collaboration yeah and we have to be open to Mm. that collaboration Mm. we have to be respectful of other viewpoints we have to take inspiration from people. Hmm. You know, that's, I guess that's what I've loved about this is, you know, yes, we could have talked just about organisations and leadership and all that kind of stuff, but there's a self component to it. There's a philosophical yep. component to it as well. And I think, you know, when you're looking to solve problems, that's what we need to do. We need yeah. to bring people with disparate thinking, right, and different thinking and creative thinking around the table yeah. Right or down the beach or you know wherever it is, um, and actually say how we're going to solve this from a multi-dimensional perspective. Hmm. Just to close out, but you mentioned earlier on about how you met graduates that had turned up and studied, you know, university, yeah. you know, like yep. commerce and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. I had a had someone recently say to me, you know, oh, son's getting on thinking about university. What would you suggest, bro? Mm. And <laughs> My I word up no lie. I said, Well maybe art, philosophy, maths and a bit of history. Yeah. And I'm like, not business comment. I was like, no, because the shit he's gonna learn now is gonna be well outdated and he's gonna have this level of thinking which is quite that. You go and consider any of those ones I've just told you and their thinking pattern, you know, philosophy, history of art or art or and maths as well. Yeah. Um, you're going to have a nice diver- divergent set of stuff, which, like you said earlier on, will promote that diversity of thought and learning, which will yep. help us move forward. Yeah. Yep. So the last question I like to ask all my guests. Um, guest. Guest. All, all my guests <laughs> in the past. I love it. Uh, and and you're, you're copying again today, is... If there was one question that you could upload into the collective consciousness mm. and everyone had to just sit still for five or ten minutes and consider it, yeah. what would that be? Why? Why what? Just why? 
Why? Yeah. And just leave it out there. Because <laughs> I think it means it means different things to yeah. different people. Right? And so for me, I think... Uh, and again, it, it plugs into... Like, it's it's one word with a question mark. Yeah. Right? Um, but it plugs into this whole thing of different people on different journeys. Um, and I think... You know, it is that whole thing of, I, I think from years ago, people would go, oh, why? And they go, oh, well, why not? Right? But I think it's more than that. It's the, well, what does it mean to you? Hmm. Um, and, you know, as you said, if it's a collective of thought around that, I think just putting something simple out there allows people to fill the space. Mm. And mm. so when they fill the space with their thoughts, that leads your thinking to areas that you didn't want to go. Yes. Now, yeah, it's it's big and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but I think what you get back from that sort of thing could be stuff that you've never even thought of or experienced or, or even come to. So. Mm. so we'll leave it at why. Excellent. And it's been great chatting this morning. You too, mate. Loved if it. If people want to reach out and find you, where can they find you? Um, so, uh, on all your favorite social channels, <laughs> right? Cause that's what we have to do now. So, uh, generally, are you Andy, dancing on TikTok? No, no, no. Nah, no. tried it once, <laughs> tried it once. Um, so Andy M lamb, yeah. uh, or, uh, Co is my personal site Yeah. or innovationstudios.com.au is my business site. Excellent. So yeah. So thank you. Thanks for having us on. You're welcome. What was it? Number 186. It. Yes. That's it, mate. So there you go. Loved it. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Cool. Cheers, Bruce. Cheers.